0: Hello and welcome to the Disney Animated a podcast where I, Talon Lee, he, him.
1: And I, Fox Lee, she, her.
0: Demand an apology from Michael Eisner personally.
1: What is this bullshit?
0: We are watching 2005's Chicken Little, a movie that, much like most chicken products, is 80% fine and yet... 20% deeply fucking horrifying. We knew we'd
1: be in for some rough territory when we decided that we were going to do a podcast where we watched the entirety of the Disney animated canon. We were not prepared for this little gem.
0: Holy crap. Now, listener, I want you to brace for what's going to ensue when Fox does the plot in 60 seconds, where what we are going to describe is probably going to sound like a perfectly tolerable... 7 out of 10 movie. Oh, you should know I wasn't going to try that hard. But, uh, let's, let's just say, much in the same way when it comes to a bowl of punch and adulterants, the right adulterant in the wrong amount can change the context entirely. Sometimes you have a punch bowl in which someone has added something a little fizzy. And that's a nice little surprise. And you need a fair bit of that for it to have an effect. And sometimes, like dropping a turd into it, it now means all the punch is completely unacceptable
1: yeah this movie is a poo in a punch bowl for sure.
0: Hey Fox, do you want to try and summarize the plot of this movie in 60 seconds?
1: Not really if I'm honest, but I guess I'm on the fucking hook, okay.
0: Your time starts now <laughs> So that's 15 of your seconds and I think you've covered it.
1: No. <sighs> Okay, uh, uh, serious, serious. Alright, Disney reimagines the fable of uh, Chicken Little, a story about overreacting to coincidence leading to the death of you and all of your friends, and instead makes it about how one child becomes traumatized because his father and... To a significant extent, his entire town are just the worst kind of assholes you've ever met. Uh, And eventually he proves himself because he was right all along and made no mistakes. And also there's aliens. It's really bad, you guys.
0: Spot under 60 seconds. Wait, really? (laughs) Really?
1: (laughs) That's probably the best I've ever done, then.
0: Yes. uh, Yeah, so... <sighs> uh, look, understandably, odds are good that the listener has not watched this movie. When it comes to this kind of podcast affair, you—you know—I don't imagine everyone who's listening to this is seeing all the movies or is watching the movies in anticipation of hearing what we have to say about them. I think that this is good background content that people are putting on when they're doing something else, like washing the dishes. Hi, caitlin
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, look, I imagine for most people they've seen most of the Disney movies that everyone has seen, and us talking about them is like, oh yeah, I remember that. Ooh, really? It was that racist, huh? But this one is, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person who pretty much gave up on Disney at this point and and just stopped caring. Mm -hmm.
0: This is 2005, and it is like the most 2005 little nugget of media I've (sighs) seen in a long time.
1: Everything about this. I didn't realize Disney had a trying-to-be-Shrek phase, but Mm. uh, like, Jesus fucking Christ, it, it lands completely here. Uh,
0: You, You are so right with that, and that's one of the other things I was going to say. I don't really have a grand thesis this episode. I just want to talk about how this movie got made. But to do that, we still want to proceed through our normal structure. I just want to bitch and moan about this awful movie for however long this episode winds up being. But structure is good. Structured bitching is much more useful. In which case, we have to then move on to our first section, which we used to put right up front so we could get all that stuff out of the way and we talk about the rest <laughs> of the movie. But I'm afraid that this yikes story is... This yikes story is surprisingly sizable for a 2005 property.
1: I thought we were going to double-take first, but I guess we can speed speedrun that by saying, you haven't seen this, I haven't seen this, I made the deliberate decision to skip this because it looked awful and boring and I wasn't up for a movie of Zach Braff being a high schooler. Um... You?
0: I don't care. Moving on. <laughs> All
1: right. Yikes door then. Uh...
0: Do we want the littlest yikes or the very, very big yikes? What do
1: you think is the littlest yikes?
0: Okay. So movie. This movie is about anthropomorphic animals. Uh uh-huh. And Disney decides to put in a joke about lemmings looking for a cliff to throw themselves off. Oh
1: yeah. That is a little baby yikes, isn't it?
0: Disney, which actually committed this ecological crime to make a movie about it, chasing lemmings off cliffs to kill them. Made a joke about lemmings doing that instinctively. Yep. And not being able to do it because they couldn't find a cliff, so they just threw themselves off a park bench. Which is also one of the worst joke deliveries in the movie because they're
1: showing it on screen that, like, the joke lands and then they explain the joke.
0: Uh huh. It's It's...
1: really poorly done.
0: Yeah. And, and And it all. It would feel like a clever jab at Disney if it was done with a movie that wasn't so stupid.
1: Also, those didn't look like lemmings.
0: No, they looked like tiny teddy bears.
1: Like, I realize that these are all cartoon characters and, uh, like, you know, realism is not a point, but I feel like they just went, uh, was a lemming look like? Kind of like a teddy bear.
0: Yep. And, uh, I guess now, the medium yikes about bad parenting.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, medium yikes. Um, yeah, well, there's nothing more to say about that, really, is there? This is a movie about a guy who is a terrible parent and he's treated as being, like, sympathetic and like oh you know well his his wife was good at this but he's not but like he's like damaging to child bad at parenting and does not appear to be making a better effort like mm-hmm. how do you go for this long without understanding that publicly professing shame in your child might have fucked him up a bit I hate this dad so much
0: yeah and uh he look if someone's making a movie about what a stupid idiot your kid is, maybe sue that company? Yeah. Maybe, I feel like that's not legal. Maybe fight that? Mm-hmm. That seems like a thing worth fighting, not a thing worth, oh shucks, better, this is embarrassing to me, oh no.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He professes his embarrassment, not like, you know... Uh, Leave the kid alone, he's embarrassed enough as it is. No, this is him going, I can't tell you how embarrassed this makes me. This is a repeating line he uses in the movie. Mm -hmm. This guy is awful. I have at least two intermediate yikes for you before Mm. we go big. Uh, One of which is, I don't feel if you're going to cast someone as a popular bully, they should be a pudgy tomboy with braces. Mm. I... I feel like you may have miscast that character, Disney.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's an especially weird one in the context. Mm-hmm. Who bullied you, Director Mark Dundall? Mmm. That's a really good question. That's a lie. Mark Dendle didn't make that kind of decision. Who bullied you, Mike Eisner? Alright. Uh Big Yikes. It's not quite as big as the big Big
1: Yikes, but uh this movie. Hates fat people so much.
0: Absolutely.
1: Like, one of our... Uh, we, we have a crew of four characters, or realistically, we have a crew of two characters and two comedy bit parts. And one of them is just a walking fat joke. He is all of the fat tropes. He is stupid and cowardly and weak-willed and greedy and clumsy and, effeminate. and gross and effeminate. He
0: is everything. They, they get every single one of the fat phobic tropes that make me go, eh, when they bring it up. And he is all of them. Yeah. He has the outbursts of rage. He is into song tunes. He is queer coded and motherly and matronly and the heavily emotional one. He is also never helpful or useful until he has been forced to be so. Like, there is, there is a lot of stuff already written about the character archetype of the fat one and you could look to dozens of examples or you could look to this movie and see one character who covers it all yep. it it sucks it really really sucks
1: we're also going to catch a few of those jokes for uh dad carrot who's a buck again isn't he yeah it's buck Still eh, stop making bucks disney they're all fucking
0: assholes and uh relatedly uh, um uh in that little misfit group i just want to say momentarily fish out of water Fish out of water is not part of this yikes door. Fish out of water, I like.
1: <laughs> Fish is blameless. And, like, <laughs> Abby's fine.
0: Yeah, but Abby gets used badly. The story treats her pretty t- pretty shabbily.
1: It's true, but she herself is is true. a perfectly good and acceptable character.
0: She's right, too. If <laughs> anything,
1: she's kind of flat, because she's just right about everything. Yeah. And always makes good decisions. And just, get yeah, Abby did nothing wrong.
0: And, and unironically has fun doing the things that she likes.
1: Odd choice making her the u- the ugly duckling
0: which is explicitly
1: a story about how you weren't really ugly. You you just weren't complete yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But hey, you know, whatever. I guess they also completely inverted the moral of Chicken Little, so...
0: Funnily enough, I have notes on that later on as well when it comes to the ugly duckling. Goddamn. Hey. Oh, anyway, <laughs> so I think we've put it off as hard as we can. Yeah, big yaks time. Do it. This movie was, to me, a perfectly acceptable... I was, you know, 7 out of 10 movie, I was actually expected to come in here and have a stance of like, yeah, this movie's fine. Like, it's not doing anything to deeply upset me. I would have given this about a 4. I hate the people in this movie so much. Yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone sucks. And but, I just
1: find it genuinely hard to watch because everyone sucks
0: so much. But then... Uh-huh. And then in the last 5 to 10 minutes, we get, surprise, Patrick Warburton out of nowhere to introduce foxy loxy except now she's dressed like pollyanna and i don't i don't know how to explain the horror of seeing underaged force femme or femme sissification or de-tomboyification or whatever the term you want to use for it used as a punchline and then made explicit that it is about her being brain damaged and then further having one of our heroic characters resisting the idea of restoring her personality to what it was because he, someone who is completely unassociated with her, likes her more now. Fuck you, Ron to the letter.
1: Also implied romantic attraction.
0: Yeah, and fuck everyone in this town who let that happen.
1: Yes. Fuck all of them. Fuck every
0: person here. I hate them so much. And that Patrick Warburton (laughs) alien with the mirrored glasses... He's probably a fucking cop, so fuck him too. Oh, I think he's definitely supposed to be a cop. That's why he's blue. Space
1: cop's are bastard. That's why he's blue and he has a buzz cut.
0: Yeah. Which, again, is very funny.
1: But... He's definitely cop-coded. Yeah. There's a... That's a phrase I'm uncomfortable with having invented.
0: All cop-coding are bastardries.
1: Or oh, something like that.
0: point is, this single moment is just like the movie going, by the way, you know what's kind of cool? Conversion therapy. The thing is... Foxy Loxy doesn't need fixing. She hasn't been that prominent a force in the story, and she already got a funny ha-ha, you aren't as cool as you think you are moment twice. They, they didn't need to keep bringing up Foxy Loxy to go, well, and now we're going to give this character what for.
1: Yeah, she's kind of an asshole, but like, considering that every adult around her was actively contributing to her bullying, like this wasn't even adults turning a blind eye. Like The coach literally says, hit the pig yeah bullying is condoned by everyone in the space around these children and yet for some reason she is singled out as the only person who needs to be like punished at the end of this movie mhm it, it's like the entire fucking town has a child to scapegoat for them because like once again everybody in this town was an asshole to this child i i i, I don't hear a single apology from anyone
0: no and and again, it, it just comes out as so remarkably mean-spirited, especially because I kind of felt like she was done. Like, when the baseball arc of the story was over, I was like, okay, yeah, so Foxy Loxy's not important anymore. But no, they brought her back for the invasion part, and then they turned her into a mind-control subject, which is not fucking cool. Like, what the hell?
1: It's gross. I... I this movie is fine with a... High school age at best. Uh, a child being brainwashed for the satisfaction of a male classmate.
0: Yeah. It's so upsetting.
1: This movie's gross!
0: It's, it's one of those things where once you see it, it destroys all of your opinion of the values of the work after that point.
1: I mean, I didn't have a high opinion of the values of this work beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's It's... But at the same time, it's like it's when someone makes one transphobic joke. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: oh, you're an asshole. Yeah. Everything you've ever said came from the mouth of an asshole. Yeah.
0: Suddenly, everything you said has been recontextualized. And this movie is—I don't know how you want to frame it. Like, I—I I can't help but feel the conversion therapy comparison is very appropriate, especially in 2005. Of here is a tomboyish girl. She just needs to be fixed. And. Like, I'm not cool with that.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're trying to send that message, but what they constructed happens to contain that message. So either they were too stupid to notice it there, or it was on somebody's mind, and this is just one of the things that come out when they produce art.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: either way, I'm not okay with it.
0: Yeah. So, uh...
1: Yeah, and look, I... That kind of, is it carelessness, or are these people genuinely assholes, to me, echoes throughout this movie, because, like, the pacing here is weird as shit, for starters. So, the importance of things seems to be skewed based on their prominence in the story. I, I don't even know how to start getting into that, but it feels like the reason that you would go and see this movie you're supposed to laugh at the things that happen, and a good amount of what happens is these children getting bullied, not just by the other children, but by the entire town. And we're supposed to find it funny. And I'm sure the idea is, well, you know, they, they you know, they prove themselves right in the end, so it's a heroic win story or whatever. But in the meantime, they're. They're eating their cake and having it too by pointing at the children and saying laugh at these pathetic losers. And now laugh at these adults making fun of these pathetic losers.
0: Yeah. it It is a...
1: It is a poisoned well. And even without the big yikes, it would still be a deeply mean-spirited movie that it I never want. It is super
0: wanted... duper mean-spirited. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. I... It gets no more of my time ever after this podcast.
0: This movie is a disdainful sneer. And you'll find out why.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's a disdainful sneer at other Disney movies too, right? I think it was about four seconds in before I said, I hate this already. Yes. Because it opens by making fun of the kind of movies that Disney makes. And I think I've addressed this before on this podcast. I think I made fun of Emperor's New Groove for this as well. Because it opens by being ashamed of being a Disney movie, and I'm not here for that. Yep.
0: Are you ready to move on to the animation and making? It's ugly and boring. There, I'm done. In September 2001, director Mark Dindle developed the idea for Chicken Little, envisioned as the title character as an overreacting, doom-and-gloom chicken girl who went to summer camp to build confidence so she wouldn't overreact, as well as repair her relationship with her father. Part of the plot is going to be about identifying real problems and fake ones, dealing with one's anxiety and recognizing eventually that not everything was connected to the plot orchestrated by the villain of the piece, a nefarious camp counselor played by Penn Gillette, the wolf in sheep's clothing.
1: That sounds sound like a better movie. Kind of creepy. I don't know if I would have a wolf in sheep's clothing at a summer camp,
0: but... Yeah, it's an extremely 2001, oh no, you didn't think of that kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Dindall later pitched the idea to Michael Eisner, who suggested it would be better to change Chicken Little into a male because, quote, If you're a boy and you're short, Eisner said, you get picked on.
1: If you're a girl and you exist, you get picked on.
0: Dindall later clarified the decision was made in part due to market research at the time, because (coughs) market researchers, we love them, we love their brilliant insights, they're never wrong.
1: What did I say about this era of Disney? That part of the reason they are ashamed of being Disney is because Disney was for girls?
0: Quote, Girls will go see a movie with a boy protagonist, but boys won't see a movie with a girl protagonist. That was the wisdom at the time, until Frozen comes out and makes a billion dollars. Mark Dindall appears to be a man who was injured by the making of this movie. Oh. Uh, He has spoken extensively about it afterwards. He has contributed to a documentary about it. He has worked on a documentary about his own life. This movie is... This movie has an aftermath in the way that Fox and the Hound has an aftermath. Yeah,
1: imagine intending for this movie to be, like, about real shit kids might go through. And, and, you know, dealing with relatable issues like anxiety and catastrophizing. That, imagine looking back on that now, this would have been the movie that a bunch of millennials were like, ooh, yeah, that one really hit home for me at that time in my life. <laughs> but, uh, and, and the, you know, you had that plan for it, and then instead you tripped and made this.
0: To visualize the story, Disney selected 50% of its 2D animation stuff and set them to work as a CGI animation team, which included a rigorous 18-month training program with industrial light and magic, which included an introduction to Alias' Maya that would serve as the main animation software used on the project. This was due to Disney CEO Michael Eisner announcing the studio would now move to computer animation in response to a downturn, downturn caused by rising competition From Pixar and DreamWorks Animation, citing the unsatisfactory box office performance of The Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Treasure Planet, and Home on the Range.
1: Yeah, so I mean, basically what we've talked about for the last few episodes. uh, uh, Several of those films were huge disappointments, and the ones that weren't... uh, are still more expensive and way less profitable than what Pixar was doing at the time. Yeah. And then Shrek happened.
0: Well, big asterisk on more expensive, less profitable. Brother Bear is just this bizarre outlier. Brother Bear got made on 50 million and it returned 250 million.
1: There's always going to be weirdos like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, but all these other ones either made a loss like Treasure Planet or um, or, or were the dumping ground for other losses like Mm -hmm. Home on the Range or, you know just weren't very successful. And Emperor's New Groove was trouble production from the 90s.
1: And as we have described before this, what disappointing really means now for a Disney movie is not renaissance numbers. Uh-huh. Which it turns out were in very limited supply because they've been not renaissance numbers for like 10 fucking years at this point.
0: A bunch of these 2D animators, who are now being pulled into the 3D task, had already been thrown back and forth into the hot box with the making of Dinosaur. In that they had been trained to use one set of 3D techniques, made Dinosaur, and then got told, oh no, that's a terrible idea, go back to 2D.
1: I mean, at least the 3D in this looks a lot better than Dinosaur. Yeah. Well, that's not even fair. At least the 3D in this has some kind of personality element to it, which
0: Dinosaur sorely lacked. Dindle used inspiration to make this movie. And while Eisner was saying, hey, we need to make a movie like Shrek, because that's what Eisner said. (laughs) Dindle instead looked back to the Disney history in the vaults, and he found that they had already made a chicken little short. Uh We don't get to see it very often because it's in the parts of the vault that are a little dark, because it's a parody of the Nazis, and it's about Nazi propaganda. Okay. And it's got a lot of the same characters. It's got Chicken Little in it. It's got Foxy Loxy in it. And by the way, that Foxy Loxy, that was a boy. So Foxy Loxy says trans rights, which makes... Wait, no, that makes the conversion thing even worse. Never mind.
1: Well, I mean, these are characters from the source material rather than from either
0: Disney version. Yep. Inspired by that, he decided to go back to older works to get the visual aesthetic of this 3D animation, which also he felt would allow for a lot more goofy, big-feeling things which would be more forgiving with the 3D tech while they were learning it. So, the primary source for this was a goofy short, How to Play Baseball. Which, if you've seen it, it's pretty funny.
1: I have seen it.
0: It's it's, it's one of the good goofy shorts.
1: It's extremely goofy animation.
0: But yes, it's extremely goofy animation. And also, not exactly strong on emotional depth or resonance.
1: I mean, it's a short about goofy.
0: Anyway, so this is when, uh, they're still doing the summer camp story when they've already gender-flipped Chicken Little.
1: Uh-huh. Just ja- how baseball enters the picture, I guess.
0: January 2003, Dave Stanton became the Disney new president of Walt Disney Feature Animation, so he decided the story needed a different approach. He told the director the script had to be revised over the next three months. Oh,
1: how far into production are we?
0: Well, during the rewriting process, Dindal, along with three credited writers and nine others... Throughout 25 scenes.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you could be replacing pretty much the entire movie at this point.
0: It took them two and a half years to, in Dindal's own words, get back to where we were when we started. I believe it. Yeah. This movie... Oh, we've used the term trouble production. We've talked about movies where something went wrong. Like Lilo and Stitch. You don't expect a terror attack to change the course of how you produce your movie, which fucking owns. But in this case, Michael Eisner and Dave Stanton both made demands of the movie that we can't know how good or bad the alternative would be. I, I, I think it would be very hard for the movie um, Dindal pitched to be worse. Yeah. In fact, I think by dint of having an idea and an emotional direction, And making it about a kid grappling with anxiety and not a kid uh, just being right. Um, I think that that would be a much more interesting story. But I'm perfectly willing to say that, hey, it might have sucked just as bad as this might. But we don't get to know because two people who weren't involved and weren't trying to make that story got to stick their thumbs in the pie.
1: Yeah, fuck marketing, alright.
0: Now, I do have more on the making. But it shows up at the end, in what in, in the capitalism and the aftermath.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's see. Any noteworthy performances to talk about here? Um, Zach Braff sure is Zach Braff, even when he's pretending to be a child and a
0: chicken. Yeah, it's Zach Braffinist and he's Zach Braffinist. I mean, he's kind of doing a voice,
1: which is nice. I'm glad he wasn't just being JD. Yeah. I think then I would just wanted to punt Chicken Little. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen too much JD. I can't go back from that.
0: Man, remember season one, J.D.? Yeah, I like J.D. He was really cute. He was a cute little soft boy. Five seasons
1: of of J.D. is too many seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, when he's meant to be a full-blown doctor. I'll do it. Yep, you're still being J.D. about it, aren't you, J.D.? Uh, Joan Cusack was Abby Mallard.
1: It's fine, but boring.
0: Yeah, again, she's just right.
1: Nothing wrong with that performance. It's fine. I guess I'm glad that they didn't make her a comedy character, since she's also, like, a frightfully ugly, sort of nerdy, you know, the girl off mm-hmm. Um, Her eventual use in the movie aside. Um, I, I hate everything about Runt, so I don't really care who voiced Runt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Warburton showing up, that was fun. I was disappointed when he showed up as the coach and I was like, really? You couldn't think of any better face to put on this performance than that? Is just nothing?
0: Patrick Warburton wasn't the coach. It wasn't? No.
1: That was somebody doing their damnedest Patrick Warburton impression then.
0: Yeah, that was Mark Dindle. Ah! Oh,
1: boy. Oh, yeah. man.
0: He's also Morcubine cor- Porcupine.
1: Is that the one who just says, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Look, I don't mind that. At this point, this movie is trying to get get over the finish line, whatever method it's got. <laughs>
1: right, Porcupine was funnier than most of what they tried to put in here for laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take it.
0: The principal was Wallace Shawn, Felt a.k.a. Like Vicini from the princess bride
1: oh right 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 yeah
0: the joke that probably got the biggest genuine laugh out of me was adam west's voice coming out of a chicken but i'm such a stupid mark for adam west
1: that would have been great if that scene had gone on for like 45 seconds yeah
0: just just do a cut at the needle drop
1: <laughs> it just kept being more yeah yeah it should have been built up to like you know he's he's turned around he's uh you know shown in silhouette and then you know, finally, after the whole thing has been set up, he turns around and speaks, and he has the voice of Adam West. Yeah, that's what you got. But, but you yeah. know, I wouldn't expect a joke in this movie to be anything
0: but artless. Lots of pop culture references, a lot of mean spiritedness, there, and, and there's, by the way, some really good physical comedy, like the fish that uh, bloats itself suddenly, the puffer fish driving a car. I don't mind that. That, like, that kind of when it yeah. can do the physicality of these things without it being about someone being lesser. It's honestly pretty fucking funny. Yeah,
1: the comedy animation that's in this is good, except for how freak- like how fucking mean spirited it is. Yep. Like it's uh, particularly, we have a lot of good facial animation. Yeah. On a lot of characters, you can tell. I think that a bunch of two D animators were working on this because you did not have the shitty lifelessness that you got from early three D. Um,
0: the the sequence of them pushing buttons back and forth to keep the door open and closed, like the. That was genuinely I didn't funny. I that. Yeah, yeah. And, and especially the sudden expression shift as as he tried to surprise them. It's, it's good stuff. Shame about the fact that it was all because of a fat joke.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Uh, I didn't think there was a shortage of talent here.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyond that, it's a bunch of people who I could tell you why you should know them.
1: Who's dad? He got so much screen time and, and so much investment that I felt like he was supposed to be someone lovable because they kept treating him as a very like sympathetic and enjoyable character. It, despite, despite the he being fact a dickhead? that his main function was to just be a horrible parent.
0: The guy called Gary Marshall. So if you've seen Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, he made them. Okay. Yeah.
1: This is what, like, a director turned actor or producer? Or Apparently what? so. Huh. Well,
0: sorry, Buck sucks. I guess he
1: did a okay job, but I mean, his character's awful. I assumed that they were that that there was context I was missing, like when you hear a character, like like when a character opens their mouth and they speak with the voice of Marco, and you're like, "Oh, I love you." Uh-huh. You're right about everything and probably just the nicest person in this entire story.
0: The uh teacher, the sheep, Patrick Stewart.
1: Yeah, I get that figure.
0: But yeah, that's uh when oh, Harry Shearer was the dog sports announcer, who I who I did think was pretty funny.
1: Once again, made some okay jokes, but I just can't get past the fact that like we're supposed bullying to a find child it hilarious when these adults bully children. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just could not get over it.
0: The music was a composition set up a bunch of different pop songs instead of a single central thesis.
1: Uh, did you. In, were you correct in detecting some band naked ladies right up
0: front? I was. Yeah. Uh. Yep. We also got some Diana Ross. We got some uh, Spice Girls.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Honestly, the music. Uh, oh. The music selection is pretty solid, but also it's inescapably Shrek esque.
1: It's also just basic as fuck. Like. It, with the exception of the Bare Naked Ladies song, everything on this is just the safest thing they could have picked.
0: Yeah, Yeah, like, of course it's R.E.M.'s, the end of the world as we know it. Of fucking course. Oh my god, what a giant surprise. I wonder if they use no one in the trailers. Yeah. And, uh, uh like,
1: man, I don't know, when. It, when is this supposed to be set?
0: 2005. If we're singing
1: Spice Girls on karaoke, but we're also huge fans of the Bee Gees...
0: That that kid is meant to be oh, the one wait, weird yeah, kid. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. He would. It's it's just part of the effeminate. Yeah. Queer, but not queer. Ugh, I hate everything about Runt.
0: Yep. I do have one tiny thing in Whateverland.
1: Are we in Whateverland yet?
0: I mean, I'm out of stuff for the making of production I and the voice cast.
1: There's no central thesis for this except
0: like. Fuck this did movie. You just want to make a horrible movie about horrible people. Just stop bullying kids. Stop finding bullying kids funny. Stop making the anxiety and trauma of kids an object of comedy because it doesn't matter to you. Fucking take kids seriously. Like your children.
1: But we fixed it. We punished that one kid that was kind of a jerk.
0: She wasn't even kind of a jerk. She was just doing the things that the adults around her encouraged. What do you mean? No, she was clearly the worst of us. She was the villain
1: of the piece. The original story says so. Uh, She killed them all in the original. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: See? That's... She she was... Talk about sins of the fathers. So... It sucks. Also, the
1: whole concept of, like... The kids with the names that match the pattern, and the, you know, they're the, they're the popular <laughs> ones who fit in, and we're gonna add a bunch of other sort of fairy tale cliche characters, as, and, and, you know, they're the weird kids to the point of forcing fish out of water to exist, which, don't get me wrong, once again, fish is <laughs> blameless. But what I'm proposing is that he should be
0: freed from this movie. It's true. And by the way, part of what makes fish so great is because fish doesn't have dialogue, so fish has to do yeah. everything through gesture animation and reaction and he's having a blast
1: yeah fish don't give a damn
0: fish is the fish is the one ace friend watching idiots (laughs) date he's just like man people are fucking stupid (laughs) that would have that would have worked really well if this
1: was in fact a story about dealing with anxieties like the one friend in the weird group who genuinely doesn't care even that doesn't fit that well though because chicken little is if anything, hyper-competent in most ways, like...
0: Yeah, when he gets those plans going, and they are, like, just as far as dynamic cartoon physics bullshit, they're so good! They're so wonderfully creatively funny and energetic, and, uh, like, making shorts out of your underpants, like, that made me laugh. Making I like shorts that. out of your You want to take that one again? Making shorts out of your paper homework—that's so good. That made me laugh. I really like that. And then the conclusion of the janitor who doesn't know he's there—that's crucial. The janitor is not yeah. being a dick. Yeah. The janitor closing a locker as they go past it—like that—all was very funny. It doesn't fit the rest of this movie though, because that's that's him being very unlucky. <laughs>
1: Can we talk? Well, almost everything that happens to him is luck. To be fair, I mean, the yes. whole opening is just there's an extraordinary coincidence that leads to this child being mocked and traumatized, <laughs> and then by another extraordinary coincidence, he is eventually vindicated. And in the middle, there's all this weird shit about baseball that just feels so yeah out of place and bizarre, and like it's all a setup. For the eventual situation that they need of, you know, I've gotten things back to normal and now I have to decide whether or not to risk that. But because it's based so fucking weird, we're like halfway through the movie already? It's just weird. It just felt like they wanted to do baseball and nothing pisses me off like a movie where they just wanted to shoehorn baseball in there.
0: I feel like I should be able to do more with the baseball in this movie. Because there is some really interesting stuff there, like the fact that Chicken Little has a tiny strike zone.
1: That was interesting,
0: the, yeah. The funniest part of that is that he should have been getting on base every game. He should be their first batter every fucking game because he will always get on base for no effort, no expenditure, and you've just used up the pitcher's first three freshest balls. Like, it's like strategically speaking, why would this kid not be the number one walker? You'd train this kid to run.
1: Which would have worked as well. Because they make the pivot point uh, uh, him being told to walk and him refusing to not swing. Like That would have worked a lot better as a, you know, you finally learn to go with the flow and you've achieved success by just doing what you're told and not trying to stand out. But you yearn to stand out because that's your whole deal and whatever, but instead they had to have him win the whole thing in a weird contrived fashion and then he has to work with like, you know, it's it's not that he's found his place in line with everyone else. It's that he's become a total star and it's great now. He's better than normal. Ah, it's really weird. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He he, he should have been up front in every game. <laughs> just strategically so speaking.
0: Sense. Just like, uh, this yeah. is one of those things that frustrates me when you see a game being played in a movie and you see them playing in a way that is obviously wrong or bad or weird because it asks the question, what the fuck are you doing? You know you aren't approaching this game like it's a game in universe you're approaching it as if it's a storytelling device in the movie and i fucking hate that see also every poker movie where it comes down to (laughs) i have the big balls big dick uh hand oh no my bigger balls and bigger dick yeah
1: yeah it's true
0: james bond can't play poker he's garbage
1: and uh you know we know chicken little's a really good runner so there's no reason he wouldn't have worked perfectly in this role either like he outruns everyone in this fucking movie, including his dad, who's a former
0: sports star. It could have been the origin point for the ability to run. But at this point, we are now doing a script doctor on a movie, yeah, which yeah, I right. want to remind you- it has not earned this. Two and a half years being rewritten, because Ugh. girls are icky. <laughs> and by the way, yep. that whole thing about Foxy Loxy being a baseball star, uh-huh. and a girl, and a tomboy, uh-huh. and Chicken Little being- a- like, also a girl at summer camp and maybe struggling with the baseball element there. It's almost like this is from a different fucking movie. hmm Anyway. Uh, beyond that, I have one other point in Whateverland, which is this movie came out in Japan after Kingdom Hearts 2.
1: Yeah.
0: Chicken Little is a summon in Kingdom Hearts 2.
1: Wow. So technically in Japan, Chicken Little's debut is in Kingdom
0: Hearts 2. Yeah. And I'm amazed to say it, but, um... This is the more embarrassing way to show up.
1: <laughs> this might be the only movie that's actually better if you shoehorn a protagonist in there who doesn't belong and just go through the beats as a fucking quest line with none of the emotional payoff or any of the quality. Yeah. I you know the fucking cliff notes version of this movie is probably the better way to I was going to say, better way to enjoy it. Don't enjoy this movie. No one should enjoy this movie. If you enjoy this movie, I suggest you question your uh, understanding of it and your interpretation of the events therein.
0: If what you're really hankering for is some 40s style rubber hose Disney sports goofy stuff, go back and watch those. They're on Disney+. Plus. They're still there and they're pretty good and honestly probably less horrifying than this movie.
1: And If what you want is a story about a weird world where everyone is cartoon animal characters and... Their, their vast differences in, like, size and physical ability are made part of the setting and part of what the characters can do, and you're going to get to see a, a small, overlooked character prove themselves against a larger opposition and maybe go through an emotional journey and their parents learn that they weren't good parents and they should have done it, but just wait for Zootopia is all I'm saying. Just... It's... It's coming. And all the jokes are a lot funnier, and while the propaganda aspect is not without significance that's still better than what we have going on here mm-hmm. this is gross hey Fox. yeah want to talk capitalism Ugh. if this movie did not go down in <laughs> flames i just oh, just set the whole rating system on fire at this point <laughs> he's giggling at me it's gonna have been successful i hate this so much he only does that laugh when I'm going to be really upset.
0: Is the budget more or less than Home on the Range?
1: Uh, home on the Range turned out to be not that expensive.
0: $110 million is practically pocket change.
1: Sorry, I said that wrong. Home on the Range turned out to be not that cheap. Yeah. Home on the Range was a lot less cheap than it looked.
0: It looked super cheap. And it
1: looks super cheap. <laughs> uh, Chicken Little eh, looks pretty cheap. It's not incompetent. There's a lot of new technology. It's got to have been fairly expensive. I'm going to pitch slightly higher.
0: Okay, 150 million.
1: Hey, so Significantly higher, really.
0: Close to one and a half times, yeah.
1: I bet it absorbed a lot of costs for setting up a 3D animation department,
0: though. Yeah. Uh, now, do you think its take was higher or lower than Home on the Range?
1: Uh, I can't remember how much Home on the Range made. I want it to be nothing. I want it to be that they said, how much did we make at the box office this week? And somebody just pissed in an envelope and sent it to them.
0: Home on the Range made $140 million That's and too much money. cost 110 So Home on the Range, not good. Not good return.
1: Not a good return, but still way too much money and absolute money. That's way too many people who went to see Home on the Range. You should have known better by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please tell me people knew better by the time of June. Please tell me people... Oh, God, no. I bet a bunch of people didn't even realize it was Disney. I bet a bunch of people just had kids who liked Shrek and they were like, this looks like a Shrek-y kind of movie or a Pixar-y kind of movie or whatever. Let's go see the new thing. Don't worry, honey. It's not going to be a stupid movie about talking, singing cows. That's that's a, a silly old-fashioned kind of movie. Look, there's not even a girl as the main character.
0: This movie took 310 million. Ah! No! In its opening weekend, Chicken Little debuted at number one, being the first Disney animated movie to do so since Dinosaur. No! Taking the forty million and tying with The Lion King no! No, no, as no, the no, largest no, opener, no
1: no, 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 no,
0: no, no, for a Disney animated film. No! It then claimed number one again in the second week. No! Earning thirty one million.
1: No, <laughs> what is wrong with you people?
0: Now, the film grossed one hundred and thirty five million in North America, which is to say it didn't make its budget in North America, and we're now at a point where that's actually a fucking problem. Uh, and its well, world wide pickup was only hundred and seventy nine million. You listen to me, you motherfuckers. Any of you who have ever been the parent who didn't care what movie they
1: were taking their stupid kid to because it just looked like a dumb cartoon and it was probably good enough, I hold you personally responsible for validating this shit.
0: I just want to remind you of our earlier suggestion, like your kids. (laughs) But that's the thing, 179 million worldwide. I can't believe there's a movie where I'd be like, just watch Shrek for the fifth time. This movie got dropped in Japan and other uh, non-English speaking territories. This movie was getting dubbed in a whole bunch of languages, and it made 179 million worldwide. That is horrifyingly low. America, 130. Like America, if North America is half your returns, there's a problem.
1: So, have we been looking at worldwide figures for the previous bunch of movies? Then? No. This
0: is this is the one where they've basically gone. Look, the numbers aren't so bad. Look, look, look. And okay. then the breakdown makes it go Okay. Ooh.
1: So really this cost 150 million and made 140 something million. I
0: mean it its box office take was 310. Its profit is always nebulous Hollywood numbers after that, but it brought back about 160 million once no, it I mean, subtract like, the budget.
1: Putting it in the context of all the other ones we've heard so far. Yeah. This was not, in
0: fact, better. This was better? And it was, and like grabbing those number one spots was a really big deal. If you're talking about CEOs trying to get their performance reviews, sure, sure,
1: sure. But I don't care about that. I I care about my faith in humanity. <laughs> and so, if up until now we have been just hearing about their take in America,
0: no, 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 we have been hearing about worldwide take in. We have total. been
1: hearing about worldwide. So, yeah. well, you can't have it that the previous ones were successful for making half this much, and this one was dicey for making twice that much.
0: My point is that while these numbers are improvements over previous very bad numbers, these still aren't good numbers. These are not long-term sustainable (laughs) numbers. This is a problem. Now, box office isn't the only mark of things. There's also awards, which this got nominated for because it was a Disney release. And it lost best movie and best animated movies in multiple different segments, in multiple different award ceremonies to its competition of the year, which were... Madagascar and Wallace and Gromit's Curse of the Were-Rabbit.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I don't even like Madagascar. In fact, I actively dislike Madagascar. It has one of the dumbest scripts I've ever encountered, but it's a lot better than this.
0: So now would you like to hear about the fallout?
1: There was fallout.
0: Quote, Mark Dindle, I think of the other version. Oh. Then I'm reconnected with what I'm thinking at the time. And you're thinking how that version would have turned out. If we had stuck with that in the set of this, if we had pushed Eisner and said, no, it has to be a girl, it could have been killed. This movie could have been killed. With this, I wish I could see an alternate reality, what that would have been like. Yeah, me too. The layout artist, Alan Blaisdell, who's one of the guys who's responsible for the background art, uh shared his art of the spaceships and referred to it as the one Disney movie I've had the displeasure of having to have to make. (laughs) Mark Dindall was already not doing well. He had made Cats Don't Dance, which... Ah. Yeah. Yeah. He was not credited in another movie until 2019. Ooh. With a movie called Wonder Park.
1: I do not know that one.
0: Hey, listener, for some extra homework... Go check out the Folding Ideas video, Wonder Park. Oh, no. Why Movies Need Directors.
1: Oh, no. I do know this one. Oh, no.
0: The producer, Randy Fulmer.
1: Jeez, this poor fucker. Sorry, I'm I, no, no, deeply sorry for this poor bastard now. Jesus.
0: I have no idea why he was bounced from Wonder Park. It might be that he sucks. It might be all sorts of things, but the point is that what the fuck. Like, this guy has gone from Cats Don't Dance to Chicken Little to Wonder Park. The producer, Randy Fulmer, left the studio at the same time as Dindle and then started a career making guitars.
1: (laughs) I, man, I I deeply relate to this. I would quit over turning out a movie like this. I would look at this after it was done and I would despair of my career choices.
0: (laughs) Also, and this is a big deal here, this was the final blow to Michael Eisner at Disney. He had had a decade of failed investments at Disney theme parks, which I'm sure that you're familiar with, thanks to your time watching Defunct Life. Uh,
1: yes, I've heard a lot about Euro Disney.
0: Plus internal structure struggles with Roy Disney and John Lasseter of Pixar. Yep. Eisner resigned shortly before the film's release, passing the torch to Bob Iger. Eisner has apparently largely just spent his time producing TV shows, and, um... Accidentally wound up making BoJack Horseman.
1: That was Eisner?
0: Yep. Wow. It turns out a bleakly cynical show about how everyone making TV and movies in Hollywood kind of sucks ass. Um, is...
1: Something he was positioned to talk about.
0: Yep. On the other hand, he still is, by all accounts of his time at Disney, a garbage human.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sorry to see him go. It's, uh... I, look, if I'm honest, I'm pretty indifferent to anyone who's ever been in charge of Disney. Yeah. I. Who cares? There have been eras of Disney that I have loved wholeheartedly, uh, but the people in charge of them always seem to be just universal fuckheads. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think there's a good one in the batch, And I remember hearing good things about, uh, about Iger either.
0: Mm. I, I can't think of anything I've heard about Iger, which is probably not a great sign.
1: Well, I mean, I guess he thought of as, like, you know, Disney's extremely back on top now, so I guess if he gets credit for that, then he's probably popular.
0: Sure, but empires can take a hit.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, they took a lot of hits, that's why Eisner went away.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the overall book ending here is I want to point you to when Eisner first showed up on this podcast.
1: Wasn't he uh, uh, executive fucking with Black Cauldron?
0: That was Katzenberg, and Eisner was was the one who came in and said, Oi, knock it the fuck off.
1: Oh. So, oh, the tremendous irony of Eisner coming in and saving a project from executive meddling. Yes. Only to, in the fullness of time, absolutely just shit all over a project through executive meddling. (sighs) Yeah. You, You truly do die young or live long enough to see yourself become Michael Eisner.
0: And, of course, that fighting with Katzenberg is what led to eventually the founding of DreamWorks and, in turn, the creation of Shrek. And this movie was an attempt to be Shrek, which is why there's a sequence in this movie of a donkey being humiliated.
1: (sighs) Yeah, it probably is. And (laughs) why it ends with a dance party. Yes. Which includes gross brain-damaged force femme creepiness.
0: Side note. I do think end on a dance party is fine. No. I think you can absolutely do that in some movies. Nope. This one No. You can do
1: you can do a dance party ending in a movie that is at once stupid enough for that to work, but cool enough that it just comes across as the final moment of audacity, rather than the most basic thing. You could think of to do because you don't have a real ending planned. Yeah. Like, it's not saying you can't ever do it. I'm just saying that it sort of almost has to be ironic now. You could only do it in a so bad it's good kind of
0: way. Or in a musical.
1: Well, that's different. It's not a dance party ending if the whole thing is a musical.
0: My point is that they should be getting back to making fucking musicals. They and you know should what? be
1: getting back to making some fucking musicals.
0: We're going to get there in at least two more movies. Another,
1: like, three movies. Yeah, we're almost there.
0: We're almost there. <laughs> you remember that point where we were watching the, the compilation musicals? Yeah. Queuing up I in do, front of us. yeah. And we were asking how we we're going to get through that.
1: Yeah, and these ones are too long to just cannonball a couple of... <laughs> <laughs> cannonball, that's the name of <laughs> the whole chain. This, this one's uh these are too long to just cram a couple of them into one episode so we can rush them as fast as possible.
0: Know what's coming up next, Fox? I, uh,
1: if I recall correctly, the next one up is Bolt.
0: No. No? We're gonna meet the Robinsons. Oh,
1: that's right! Yeah, I I am actually looking forward to this one because I've seen this and you haven't. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. <laughs>